believe. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray before we, we begin. Father, we, we're in your presence, but we intentionally come into your presence, Father, this night. Declaring, Father, our intention to position ourselves ready, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us, ready to do what you tell us to do, ready to be the ecclesia of God at this time in the earth and to do your will and purpose. Help us tonight to know that will. Show us your purpose and cause, Father, that, that which we face in this dark world, that we would be the difference, the, the game changer, Lord. And that, Lord, that through us you will accomplish your purpose in this nation at this time. In Jesus' name. Steve, you mentioned the 100-year prophecy, which I have shared with you. Um, Richard McPhee, a man who was the brother of John McPhee, who was uh, an early Pentecostal pioneer in Scotland, pastor of a church in the south side, um, a, a remarkable man, John McPhee, uh, great revelations, and he wrote a book that he sent to all the heads of state, I believe throughout the earth, and the revelations that he had concerning our time, and very much a contemporary of Reese Howells and fought similar prayer battles uh, during the Second World War um, to the Reese Hills people. But his brother Richard gave a prophetic message which, which I have shared with you, which is very much about the time we live in right now. He actually describes the battle that is taking place, the cosmic spiritual battle between the kingdom of God and the powers of darkness and says that in the, the last days, if you like, there'll be a small band of people who will call forth the man-child. And by that, of course, we understand it to be the governing ecclesia of God, as, as Stevie would say, the perfect man, the, manifest, the matured sons, the manifest sons. In other words, church or ecclesia as it's meant to be. And it, it would all be in Scotland that it would begin. And he actually prophesied uh, that the stone of destiny would be in Scotland at, at this time. Now, a hundred years ago, if you'd said the stone of destiny will be moved from Westminster, you'd have probably been charged with sedition. But he saw that, and he saw that that little band of people in Scotland would challenge the powers of darkness and triumph over them and completely revolutionize, well, I don't like that word, but completely transform Britain. And that the royal house would be completely transformed and be uh, godly, sold out for Jesus, spirit-filled, you name it, and would govern in the, the power of the Lord Jesus. What's interesting is that that prophetic message was uttered in Glasgow 
100 years ago last night. Wow. Last night was the 100th anniversary. I shared it in Bible college 100 years ago. And, and here I am speaking tonight. Um, and some of you know the story that that prophetic transcript uh, was given to me by the two granddaughters or great nieces of Richard McPhee, the granddaughters of John McPhee. And one of them said she'd held it in safekeeping for me for many years because she was told this is for a man you will meet. Um, and so she kept it and she said many, many times in her home uh, that she was attacked by the devil because she had that in her possession. A very sacred word. And um, it, it, it was remarkable and, and a great blessing, but a very sacred thing to me. But it's good to know that 100 years ago, somebody saw what we're doing now. And somebody saw what the earth would be like and what Scotland would be like. So that's encouraging, folks, to know that God foresaw what we're going through right now. And may I say what we may be having to go through in the near future. The battle of antichrist governments and wicked powers in the earth. And of course, that prophetic word very much based on Revelation 12 with the man-child and the dragon, the, the power of the evil one coming against the purpose of God coming against the people of God, coming against the church or the ecclesia of God. So we believe in God that the man-child, which is just a, a biblical symbolic um, name of which there are many, the perfect man of Ephesians 4, the manifest sons, mature sons, all these different expressions of what God intends to do in the earth. And here's the glorious, wonderful thing, brothers and sisters, what he intends to do in Scotland. I just, I, I saw something quite recently with, with the, the prophetic, was it the prophet council or something <laughs> it's called, of Great Britain or, or something. And um, I, I don't really tune into it much, but what I saw was that what they were saying was, which changed with my own spirit, that the emphasis is moving from America to Britain. And, and that's something we've prophesied for a long time, that Britain will be the leader, if you like. Scotland will be, we're not following America anymore. But that what God is doing here in Scotland, what God is doing in the British Isles, will be what leads the ecclesia, the church of God, throughout the earth from now on. There's a baton being passed over. And the folks in America might not like that, but, you know, it's a purpose of God. So we're believing that what God is going to do throughout the earth, he's going to begin in Scotland. And Gene Darnall said that many years ago, and if you go back to the time, the Covenanters and so on, that prophetic word has been coming forth for, for a long, long time, that Scotland will lead the nations in these times prophetically and certainly apostolically. So rejoice that you're Scottish tonight or that you're in Scotland and um, praise the Lord that you're in the place where God is going to do mighty things <clears throat> in there. All right.
Can we turn to Isaiah chapter 60? Now, I'm going to maybe trigger some religious spirits tonight. So, if you've got any religious devils, you better cast them out right now. Because you may not like some of the stuff I'm going to say. But I believe if we're going to be true to what God is calling us to be, which is the ecclesia, then we have to be true to that revelation. And what I'm, what I'm sharing with you tonight, I've shared for a long, long time, but it's never been more pertinent or relevant. So Isaiah chapter 60, and I think I've shared with you that as a leadership team here in Arise, Scotland, uh, we've been very much focusing on that. It's a, a prayer focus for us. And it's certainly uh, a message that God has laid in our hearts that we are the Isaiah 60 generation. Uh, Stevie was sharing that Ian, Ian Clayton has been saying that Scotland and Isaiah 60, that's, that's God's word for us. And certainly guys like Bill Johnson speak about it a great deal. So Isaiah 60 is something I've preached on many, many times. So we're going to look at it tonight, certain aspect of it. And as I said, I may trigger some religion tonight. Religious backlash. So, anyway, I hope not. But uh, if I do, I don't apologize. Amen. Isaiah 60, uh, arise, shine, for your light has come. Let me read it. Let, let me actually read it in the King James. I've got the, the new King James open here, but I'm going to read it from the King James so that we get the Arise, shine, for thy light has come. Amen. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. That's where we are right now, isn't it? We're in a time of darkness upon the nations. Darkness here in Scotland. Darkness here in this city. The darkness of antichrist government bringing all kinds of oppressive dictates on the back of a coronavirus. So it's darkness and it's gross darkness. But then it says, but the Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Manifest glory, folks. Not just, uh, well, you know, it, it was a nice time we had at that meeting. We got really blessed. Manifest glory. How many know that the glory of God, God wants to manifest his glory? We've seen it in meetings, haven't we? We've seen glory clouds. We have it here quite regularly, don't we? We've seen gold dust, things like that. We've seen manifestations. But I want to tell you, nothing like what God is going to do. And we're going to look at an aspect of God's glory that we need to understand at this time. Because here's the thing, it's the glory of God that is going to defeat the powers of darkness and going to bring down antichrist wicked governments but it's going to manifest in ways that we maybe didn't think it would 
but it's very clear from Scripture. If we'll look and if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. His glory shall be seen upon thee. And the, the Gentiles, or the nations, shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. If you and I are the rising ecclesia tonight, which we are, we ought to expect kings to be coming to the brightness, maybe even walking through that door and saying, there's something going on in here, and there's something about you people, there's something going on with you people that we need in our government, that we need in our business, that we need in our society. Kings will come to the brightness of the rising ecclesia of God. Do you believe that, folks? God's Word says it. Imagine Nicola Sturgeon walking through that door and sitting next to Stevie and saying, I need to hear this. Amen? Boy, does she need to hear it. Amen? They really do need to hear it. You see, a lot of these people, let, let, let's be reasonable about it for a minute. Maybe they become globalists because they think it's the best deal going. But we know the best deal going is this, don't we? We know that the best deal going is God's kingdom. And we know that God's, you know, this is something the Lord showed me this week. God can give any one of us in here wisdom that will astound presidents, kings, prime ministers. He can give any one of us the solutions to societal problems that they don't need to have a great reset to try and fix because God's reset is far, far better. God's reset is back to the Word, back to God, back to the things of God, back to laws that are based on God's Word, back to Jesus, back to what works, back to the eternal thing. And in this passage, don't really have time to get into it tonight, but in verse 15, that's the game changer. We are going to look at the turning of the tide. You see, the tide has to turn, doesn't it? That's what we're looking at tonight, the turning of the tide. Verse 15 actually speaks about it. I've shared this uh, quite a bit, but I won't be able to get into it tonight. But the thing is this, we need to go back to the eternal, to eternity. There's a word here in verse 15, eternal excellency. There's two words. But the word eternal is the Hebrew word olam. And it means eternal. eternal. And it's called the vanishing point. The vanishing point. And if we, we need to go back to the vanishing point. Remember in 1 John, he's speaking to He's speaking to children, fathers, and young men. Three stages of growth. And it says the fathers know him who is from the beginning, from the vanishing point, from eternity. 
And we need to go back to an understanding that anything that counts, anything of value, anything has to come from the eternal realm, has to come from above. That's what we're talking about when we talk about going beyond the veil. That's the vanishing point. When you go beyond the veil, you go into the glory, you get to the eternal realm, and you become invisible to the physical eye. All the solutions of God come from eternity. The wisdom of man won't cut it. They've tried everything. They've got all their methods, all their programs. They don't work because man's societal problems can only be solved by eternal realities from the vanishing point, from beyond the veil. Anyway, lift up thine eyes, verse 4, round about, and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Right, let's put it this way. See revival. See sons and daughters. He's talking there about spiritual sons and daughters, isn't he? See your sons and daughters coming from afar. Lift up your eyes. Jesus said, look, the fields are ripe for harvest. Jesus saw multitudes. Do we see multitudes? Or do we say, oh, you know, it's hard being a Christian. We share with friends and neighbors and family, but they, they really don't want to know. And Jesus says, look, the fields are ripe for harvest. Lift up your eyes and see with God's eyes and see from a divine perspective. In other words, see into the glory. All the answers are from the glory. All the answers are in the glory. Don't look upon circumstances. Look up. Arise. Shine. Everything is up there. And we're not talking about a physical, oh well, it's somewhere light years beyond the Milky Way and all that. But he's talking about getting into the glory. All the answers are in the glory. All the answers are from the glory. Then it's verse 5. That's where I want to go with this, okay? Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear, which means to be in real terror or awe, and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. I normally preferred a more modern translation for that verse. The King James, the, sorry, the New King James says, the multi, here it is. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you the wealth of the Gentiles or the wealth of the nations shall come to you. So if you're in a prosperity, you want to read wealth. But the, the, the word that's translated forces in the King James and wealth in, in other translations is the Hebrew word kyle. And kyle, a kyle woman is a Proverbs 31 woman. Did you know that? Go and look it up. And it means wealth. It means physical wealth, gold, silver, precious jewels, money, but it also means multitudes, armies, forces, people. 
And if we put those two verses together, what he's saying is, is that people are coming and they'll bring their wealth with them. That's what happened in the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people saved. And among them were wealthy people. And what did they do? This is what they did. They decided to sell their possessions and lands because they couldn't abide poor people in the congregation. Oh, let's go back to the early church. Let's, let's, we need to go back to the early church. And by that, what we mean is, I want my shadow to heal the sick. I want miracles. But do we want that? Do we want that if we have and others have not, we sell what we have so that we can equalize the wealth? Is it painful for you, brothers, sisters, to have people in the congregation who don't have enough? Because it was for the early church and they sold their lands. And guess where they brought the money? They laid it at the apostles' feet. If you're called to be an apostle, you're called to be a banker in the kingdom. And what did the apostles do with it? They bought mansions and private jets. No, no, no. They redistributed it so that there was nobody lacking in the early church. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. And what I want us to see that it says, the abundance of the sea shall be turned, shall be converted. Now, what's that got to do with what we're facing right now? The answer is everything. Everything. What does he mean by the abundance of the sea? That's what we're going to look at. This is what's on my heart to share tonight, folks. Because we're in a situation right now, and I'll say it bluntly, we've spoken about this. If Babylon doesn't fall and fall very quickly, we're going into a time of great darkness in this nation, just like the folks are in the States. If Biden becomes president, it's open season on Christians, open season on church, open season on all the things that are precious to us. If Trump prevails and we, we're believing that he will, then that's a, that's a barrier, a protection even around us over here across the Atlantic. These things are important because we have to have the people in government that hear from God that obey God, that will carry out God's purpose, whether they're a Cyrus leader or whether they're born again. The John McPhee vision and Richard McPhee prophecy spoke about us having leaders that weren't just, oh well, you know, they'll go along with Christian values. No, no. Sold out, born again, filled with the Spirit, totally focused on doing God's will. Who wants leaders like that? I know I do. And I tell you, if we don't get that, we're going into darkness. If we don't have this move of God, we're going into darkness. So if we don't see the fall of Babylon very quickly, because here's the thing as well, and, and, and guys like uh, Bill Johnson and Peter Wagner, guys like that, that, that you might hold in some esteem, believe that, uh, Isaiah 60 
uh, in Revelation 18, Revelation 17 and 18, which we're going to look at just now. You need to read the two things together because they're, they're describing different aspects of the same time frame. Remember that Isaiah 60, as many believe, is where, we're, where we are right now. Isaiah chapter 40 onwards, roughly, was written to a future generation of God's people who lived in the isles or coastlands of the earth, or as he calls it, the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth is not some generic term such as, oh well, the far-flung corners of the globe that we would use. It's a specific geographic location, and it normally referred to the British Islands. And the very ends of the earth in the British Isles are Scotland, the very north coast of Scotland, which is where Jean Darnall and many others said, that's where revival is going to break out. That's what the Word of God says. Salvation to the ends of the earth. That's why we, we're not just saying, oh, we love Scotland, so let's just pretend or make believe or just, you know, screw up our faces like, yes, Scotland's where God's going to move. It's biblical. And it's been prophesied many times over the years, and including, I believe, in God's Word. But let's turn to Revelation 17. What does he mean by the abundance of uh, the sea shall be turned, shall be converted? And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the tide is turning, because that's what he's saying, the tide is going to turn. The tide is turning, brothers and sisters. What does it mean when he says the abundance of the sea? What sea? What does this sea refer to? We'll see it in Revelation 17. Watch this. Let's look at Revelation 17 very quickly. Verse 1, there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Many waters. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. I, I've preached this multiple times in multiple places. And I've got to say this, and I say it honestly, this is God's Word, but it's not pleasant to read, is it? This stuff isn't pleasant. This isn't, you know, like reading some, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. This is disturbing reading. Because John saw beyond the, the front page of the newspaper. He saw beyond the worldly events into what was behind it in the spirit realm. And he saw this grotesque principality. A scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. That's not pleasant reading. And on her, upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. In other words, the source of all the abominations and perversions. 
When I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And it's, it's uh, a mystery. It's called Mystery Babylon. But look what it says. This is what I want us to zero in on. Um, verse 15. He saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. In other words, the world system, the nations, the economy, the world economy. All that's out there, all the property, all the, the markets, all the assets, all the precious stones, the world economy, all the peoples and nations, and if you like, the accumulated wealth of them all. And that's the thing upon which Mystery Babylon sits. Now let's go into Revelation 18. So you see when he says the abundance of the sea in Isaiah 60 verse 5, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the many waters of the sea of the world economy. And he says the world economy, all the abundance that's in it, is going to be turned to you, to the people of God. Well, but that's, that's prosperity preaching. Yes. It's not prosperity preaching, actually. It's abundance. Because he doesn't say the prosperity of the sea. He says the abundance of the sea. In other words, the tide is turning. You say, well, oh, well, oh, oh, you know, we, we don't want... We don't want money. Money's the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And some of the poorest people on the planet have got that. The abundance of the world economy shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. And you notice, it, it's a God idea. It's not a prosperity gospel preacher idea. It's God that's saying that. God is saying these things. So let's get into Revelation 18. Uh, verse 1, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. That's where we just about are in the prophetic calendar. That's what we are praying for. Because if that doesn't happen, we're, we're going to be locked down a lot more than just for a virus, aren't we? We're going to be tracked, traced, totally controlled, dominated by governments throughout the world that despise God and His Word and Christians. Am I right? We're already seeing some of that. And despise righteousness and despise what God says about marriage, about gender, about a whole bunch of stuff. So we long for the fall of Babylon. And so many believe that we're at that prophetic time right now we're about to see that. We're hoping to see it any time. 
That's why we're having these meetings. That's why I wrote that wee book, Speak to the Nation, so that we can make decrees that God's kingdom will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize that that's the will of God? There ain't no Babylon in heaven. And they're never going to be. Rebellion does not exist in heaven. And God wants to kick it out. Well, he wants us to kick it out there. He cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. In other words, it's disgusting. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And, and that's, that's not talking about uh, physical fornication, although that, that manifests physically through all the filth that we see. But it's talking about spiritual fornication. And watch this. The merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. That word merchants is actually translated in one, I don't know what, what one is, tycoons. Billionaires. The billionaires are waxed. Now, I'm not knocking people who are billionaires, oh, all billionaires are evil, I'm not saying that, am I? But, it, but the Bible is saying here that merchants, which means great men, tycoons, are waxed rich through the abundance of Babylon. Of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Notice that God's people are in Babylon. Oops. Come out of her, my people. Which means that some people are in Babylon. And I believe Britain coming out of the EU is a manifestation of that verse that we're coming out of Babylon, Bab, uh, EU Babylon. Because Babylon manifests politically. There's political Babylon, there's ecclesiastical Babylon, there's spiritual Babylon, there's uh, financial Babylon, there's political Babylon. Come out of her. That ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Babylon's getting plagues. Is that what's happening right now, brothers and sisters? For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double, according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. That's not very Christian, pastor. We're supposed, you know, when we see Babylon fall, and all these people suffering, we, we really ought to be sending aid packages and praying for them. Well, we ought to be praying for them all right. We ought to be praying double it up, Lord. You see, what God says, very often we're at odds with. Because God says, pile it on. Pile it on to Babylon when you see her fall. But we'll be organizing uh, shoeboxes, won't we? Collecting. Having, you know, having collections for, for poor old Babylon. That's the difference between church and ecclesia, folks. The ecclesia of God obeys God. 
And we'll see it later on in this passage. It's a wonderful passage. Remember that this passage needs to be read in conjunction with Isaiah 60. Because in great, the great darkness that comes upon the earth and upon the people, and, that, and, and, and when we rise in the glory of God, eventually Babylon falls. So we're there right now because the darkness is certainly here. All we need, all we're waiting for, all we're desperate for, all we're longing for, is for that glory to arise. Amen? Can you say amen to that? And then he says this, look, how much she's glorified herself, lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. You ought to be praying right now that God will pull Babylon down. Mightily pull, them, pull it down. Never to get back up. I think this is a cyclical thing. I think we've seen aspects of this in history, maybe at the Reformation, different times. Maybe even at the Second World War, we saw Babylon rise and fall down. But this is this great end time thing. For she says in her heart, I sit a queen, I'm no widow, she'll see no sorrow. And watch this. Oh, well, gradually we'll see it happen. We'll, we'll maybe see it. No, watch this. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Here's the thing. Fire is coming. And upon the wicked and upon the proud, they will be stubble when the fire comes. And it will burn them up. But it will sit as tongues of fire in your head and mine. And we will walk in the fire. And everywhere we go, that fire will burn the wicked up. Well, that's not nice. There's no anointing to be nice. There's no call to be nice. We're only called to be obedient. And he says, heap sorrow and torment upon her. But watch this. Verse 9, The kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Look at all these companies, these big businesses that in one day collapse. Look at all that wealth. Look at all that. Look at society. Society has just, as we know it, has collapsed. So they're wailing and weeping. Let me, let, let me just say this to you. This is what I believe with all my heart. If we will pray properly and position ourselves properly, we will see this very soon. I believe that with all my heart. Because God has a great reset plan. And the great reset is Babylon falls into the sea and the ecclesia of God arise and the sheep nations arise. And you and I need to pray that Britain will fulfill her destiny. Scotland will fulfill its destiny to be a sheep nation in the earth. Only the purpose of God and not the machinations of globalists and Babylonian world order devotees. As we have slept, 
the tears have grown up in our government. Many of those, and some of those household names, I, I could mention them, but I won't, that maybe you thought, oh, he's a good guy, she's good. They've proven to be nothing but globalists. We need true patriots to be in government, in governmental positions in our country. And let me tell you the definition of a true patriot. Somebody who pursues the will of God and the will of God only for the nation. That's why I believe Trump. That's why they've targeted him. Because I believe he has that heart for America. And we need people like that in Britain, in our governments, don't we? Okay, let's go on. The merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buys their merchandise anymore. Nobody's buying what they're selling. See, Peter Wagner taught this, and other people have too, and I saw this many years ago. Revelation 18, with this fall of Babylon, is a wealth transfer event. It's not that God wipes out all the gold and silver and, and all the precious stones and, and, and all, the, all that's precious and valuable, land, houses, property. They don't just disappear. It, the, the reason they're weeping is because it's not in their possession anymore. The wealth of a sinner is laid up for the just. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. All that abundance will be converted to you. Who is he speaking to? God's people, you and I, the church, the ecclesia, the people of God, the sheep nations. Now he lists all the precious things, but what he says here, verse 15, Sorry, yeah, verse 15. The merchants of these things, all these precious things, which were made rich by her by Babylon, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. Imagine seeing all these tycoons, these world-famous household names, like Bill Gates and uh, the Facebook guy, Zuckerberg, or whatever his name is. The Amazon guy. Weeping and wailing. Because all that wealth, something's happened. Something's gone wrong. They planned a great reset. But, but God stepped in and did something. God has stepped in and, and shook it up, changed it somehow. Because they thought they were doing it to further their power. To increase their wealth. All these guys got much, much richer during lockdown, by the way. But something happened and all that wealth came to nothing. If we believe God's word. One, and then he says, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and, and pearls or that system that, that, that served us so well and made us so wealthy. Alas! Alas, something's gone wrong. Babylon, that impregnable city of old, fell when the prophet Daniel said, 
Many, many tekel you farsin. You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And this very night, it will be taken from you. As they feasted and drunk from the bowls and instruments that they uh, plundered from God's temple. God has an answer always for Babylon. And a lot of this language you can read in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51. John didn't um, just invent this. Jeremiah spoke about this, and much of the language is the same. Because God's purpose, and, and God even says in Jeremiah, we would have healed Babylon. You know, if these folks had turned to us, if these world leaders had turned and said, we don't know what we're doing, we would have healed Babylon. But she would not. You know, we speak about Nicola Sturgeon coming in here, or, or, or Boris. The door's open. But they don't come in. Why don't they come in? Because they think, why would I go in there? Because they would rather be puppets of Babylonian masters than servants of the Most High God. It's always been the same. Except I believe at this time it, it's more acute than it ever has been. That we as the ecclesia of God, you see when Reese Howells fought the Nazis and the Axis powers, it was a, it was a foreign threat, wasn't it? But now the Trojan horse is here and our enemies sit in halls of power in our own nation. Enemies of God. Enemies of Christ. Enemies of his church. Anyway, we must press on. Watch this. Verse 17. We've already seen it's going to happen in one day, but look at verse 17. For in one hour, in one hour, in one hour, in one hour and one day, and I believe that day will be very soon, in one hour, so great riches is come to naught, it's come to nothing. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. The world economy is conducted across the seas, whether it's ships or airplanes or electronic computer signals, yeah? You can buy a book today from an American store and they'll ship it to you or they'll send it by airmail or whatever. It's a global trade he's talking about. And, he's, and, and, and what do we read in Isaiah 60 verse 5? The abundance of the sea. And these guys that trade by sea are weeping and wailing and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich, all that had ships in the sea or all that had a hand in the economy, the, the sea of the economy. And it's all come to sludge. It's all gone to nothing. It's vanished in one hour. It says, by reason of her cautionness, for in one hour is she made desolate. 
You see, we're looking for Holy Ghost outpour. We're looking for miracles. We're looking for great healings. We're looking for all these things. And we're going to get them. But this is the trigger for the fall of Babylon. That's what Isaiah's talking about. He says, look. He says, the glory of God has risen upon you. And here's the thing. The glory of God attracts the gold. Amen? And the gold is drawn to the glory. What well, did Solomon built a temple? And he, he filled it with gold and silver. What happened? The glory of God fell. Because when you take precious things and consecrate them to God, you're inviting the glory to come on top of that one. And the Bible says you and I are his temple. If the glory came to Solomon's temple, how much more will the glory come to this temple? And we'll look at that in a minute, but I just want to finish this. And we'll, we'll get there quite quick. This is God's command. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. You see, it takes apostolic and prophetic ministry. I preached this in an apostolic church a while back because I believe God raised up the apostolic church to bring that revelation into the earth because he needed the apostolic and prophetic in the earth so that Babylon could fall because it's the apostolic and prophetic that destroy Babylon. It's the ecclesia. It's not Sardis, it's Philadelphia. It's the new wineskin. It's apostolic and prophetic. God is bringing back the apostolic and prophetic into the earth and has been doing so because it's he needs the ecclesia he says rejoice over her thou heaven what's the revelation that we're getting is that we are with him in heaven and we reign from heaven and he commands us to rejoice oh that's dreadful look at that look at that babylon fallen but look at all these guys lose all them look at all, that's terrible no no it's wonderful rejoice he says because God doesn't think like you and I. God is not sentimental. God is not sentimental. We're sentimental. Oh, well, you know, you, you, we spoke about this, that God is in the business of closing down churches. Look at the, the seven churches of Asia. I'll take your candle out of this place right now. We go, oh, no, we need to keep going. We need to, there's been a witness here all these years. God says, not anymore. Close it. God is not sentimental. And he says, when you see Babylon, rejoice. In actual fact, pray. Oh, double it up, Lord, double it up. God is not nice. One of the, one of the, one of the, the, the most ferocious attacks I got from people one day was, I put that on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. God's not nice. He's a heretic. There's no anointing to be nice. You see, when Jesus sees something wrong, he casts out the money changers from the temple. Anyway. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, cast it into the sea, thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down. Very quickly, what I wanted to look at is this, okay? 
Verse 23, light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. The voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants, thy tycoons, thy billionaires, your Bill Gates, your, what's his name, Brazos, all these, all these guys that make fortunes. Big tech, big pharma. We're going to get there, watch this. Thy merchants were the great men of the earth. Notice how he identifies Babylon with billionaires and tycoons and great men of the earth. You see that? Who's really running the show? Is it our elected officials or is it the guys who either have dirt on them or are paying them? Think about it. Who's really running the show? The Bible speaks about kings and all that are in authority. Well, how many know, or it speaks about the rulers, kings and rulers of the earth, how many know that the visible kings and presidents, they're not the real rulers? Because the bankers are the shadowy, hidden hand. These merchants that are in it for the money. Watch this, watch this, this I want to show you, this. I need to say this. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Do you mean to tell me that these billionaires are into Satanism? Some of them are, I believe, yes. They've made a pact with the devil to get their wealth. Probably. But that word sorceries doesn't just mean black arts, occult. It's the Greek word pharmakia. From which we get the word pharmacy or pharmaceutical. And according to strong, this is what it means. The dispensing of drugs or medication. We could read it like this. For the tycoons, the billionaires, were the great men of the earth, for by thy medication were all nations deceived. These guys are deceivers. And I'm going to say it plain and straight. For by thy vaccinations were all nations deceived. You want to take the vaccine, that's up to you. But I would read this before I, before I do, because it's a deception. These guys, in other words, are making fortunes from medication, from vaccinations. If you then take it, you, 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 you can't say, you're then deceived. If I'm, you understand what I mean? You may not like that. But I'm reading plain here. In other words, billionaires, merchants, and, and think about this. You say anything bad about the vaccines or uh, Pfizer, the euthanizer, or all of these guys. You, the other tycoons gang up and take your stuff off Facebook, take it off YouTube, take it off Twitter. Because they're all in it together. Is that conspiracy? Yeah. Psalm 2 tells us the conspiracy is real. So does that passage there. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by pharmacia. All right. Very quickly, turn to Haggai chapter 2. And we'll wrap this up. What am I saying here very, very clearly? I'm saying that don't just look for, you know, glory clouds and gold dust and the things that we, oh yes, you know, I, I saw, I've seen a great increase in healings. These are wonderful and they will be part of it all. 
But here's what, how God's going to collapse the system. Because he will do it by the great end time wealth transfer. How will that happen? How will God get Bill Gates and Zuckerberg and all these tycoons that serve Babylon, how's he going to get it into your hands? How's he going to get it into your hands? I don't know. All I know is many times in the word it speaks about wealth transfer, that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You and I are the just. It says that the abundance of the economy will be turned to you and I. It might be business, it might just it might be supernatural. Who knows? Brothers and sisters, it's going to happen. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. Because here's, here's the real deal. Why do men seek riches? Why do men seek lots of money? It's not because they just, it's not just for money, it's for power. The power to live life in their terms, the power to dictate to others, the power to control others. Money in the system, the world system, money brings you power, doesn't it? He who makes, he who has the gold makes the rules. That's the world system. That's why these guys, they maybe started off with nothing, but they work fervently, feverishly to make lots of money so that they have the power to tell you and I how to live our lives. And we just keep buying more from them. So their wealth increases, their power increases. And they, be, they become power mad. The love of money is the root of all evil. And we just read Babylon is the source of all evil. So it's the same thing. Babylon is the love of money. How does God counter that? Because here's, here's what it boils down to. The kingdom is 180 degrees from Babylon. What you see in Babylon, if you totally reverse it, you'll see the kingdom. In the, in the world system, you need wealth to get power. Because poor people don't have any power, do they? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. God says, Thou shalt remember Yahweh thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. God's system reverses, or rather the world system reverses God. Men seek wealth to get power, but God gives power to begin with to get wealth. And if, if you don't believe that, you won't walk in it. If that's not your focus, you won't walk in it. If you believe religious lies, you won't walk in it. Remember that the early church, the guys who had money, they realized right away, I'm to be a distributor so that there's no more poor in the midst. So it's not about just getting big houses and fancy cars, but it is about stewarding wealth. And God said, thou shalt remember Yahweh the God, for it's he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant which ye swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Who wants to see the covenant of God established? The power to get wealth is how God does it. 
when we believe that and walk in that and understand that, that's when that magnet, that turning of the tide, that flowing of the wealth of the nations from those who have it unjustly and unrighteously because they're bad guys, that wealth starts flowing to the justified guys, which is you and I. How's God going to do that? How does God heal heart disease, cancer? We don't need the signs, we just need to believe he does it. God gives power first because the wealth, and that's why the glory rises upon us and this is what we're going to just see, and we'll close it with this. Watch Haggai chapter 2. The seventh month and the one and twentieth day of the month came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, this is chapter 2, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who's left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? We were talking about those that remembered Solomon's temple and they're trying to rebuild the temple of Solomon which was destroyed and he's saying, pretty rubbish, isn't it? Compared to the last one. It's not great, is it? Because that's what they were thinking. And we could say tonight, you know, I remember when this church, well, nobody remembers here, but I've got pictures of it. This church was full of the gunnels. Every service. And we remember maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, you had a meeting and there was well over 100, 200 people. Do you remember that, he's saying? Do you remember the glory? Do you remember the glory of the apostolic church? And where is it now, he's saying? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jesedek, the high priest. Be strong, O ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear you not. In other words, you've still got my word, you've still got my covenant, you've still got my Holy Spirit. So don't fear. Read your rush this up now. Watch what he says this. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once... It is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Hands up if you think God is doing some shaking right now. Amen. We're shaking. We've seen people so strong in their faith normally, but a bit shaken by what's going on. Including ourselves maybe, yeah? He says, I'm going to shake it up. And he needs shaken up. And I'm going to do it. Because watch. And I will shake all nations. All nations have been shook. Or shaked. Whatever it is. Shaken. Shaken, not stubbed. <laughs> and the treasure, the desire, the wealth of all nations shall come. Where's it going to come, Lord? He says, I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, yes, Amen. We long for the glory, we long for the anointing, we long for the work of God, for the miracles, for the signs and the wonders. Yeah, that's good, he says, but watch this. It's a little bit more than that. He says, it's a little bit more material and physical, he says. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. 
Oh, Lord, you brought a prosperity message into this sacred passage. He says, I'm going to fill the house with glory so that the silver and the gold are magnetized. Because, the, see, gold is physical glory. Gold and platinum, silver, these things are physical glory. The glory that we, that we long for is heavenly glory, isn't it? But he says, Solomon's temple was filled with glory and also completely covered in gold and silver because the glory and the gold belong together. God didn't make gold and silver for the wicked. He made it for the just. The, the sinner man may keep it together, he said, the Bible says, but he's gathering it for those that will look after the poor. And that was the early church. That's the ecclesia. Well, we're running out of time, folks, but look what it says here. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. He's not just talking about Zerubbabel's temple. I don't believe he's talking about Herod's temple. He's talking about the latter day's temple, which is you and I. You and I individually, and you and I corporately as the ecclesia of God. As people who understand he's talking about us. If we shun this glory, you see, well, I want the glory, but I don't want the gold and silver. Well, that's good. But who's going to feed the poor? And if these guys still have it, they're still going to use it against you. So if you had the money, what would you do right now? I know what I would do, buy Sky News. Or, or, or something like that and say from now on all the news is going to be read the Holy Ghost filled presenters and all we're going to speak about is what God's doing and we're just going to pump the word out all the time and we're not going to follow the agenda and we're going to speak the truth thank God there are men and women doing that right now anyway the glory of the latter house shall be greater than of the former. The rising ecclesia. Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The abundance of the sea, the world economy will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. It's not all just about spiritual things. It's about the reality that God will turn. The very economy, the abundance that's out there, to us. I said it didn't I recently. I said in that day, and I'll close with this, you'll walk up to somebody who's a merchant, who's a billionaire, who's a, a tycoon, who's weeping and wailing, and you say, what should you pay for that estate that you live in? 15 million. I'll give you 25 quid. And they'll grab it out of your hands. Why? Because the fear of the Lord will be so strong on them. Or they'll turn around and say, I can't take your money. I fear God so much. It's yours. You need to start thinking that way, brothers and sisters, because that's what's coming down the line. And we need to believe for that and receive it.
God bless you.